Listening Dog Media. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. World Premier Plays, exclusive to the pod play. <clears throat> pub. 22-year-olds Terry Conlon and Jamie O'Neill are at the bar of a small old-fashioned Mancunian pub nursing their pints. Raindrops keep ro- falling on my head is playing on the radio. Right, this is our last pl- pint, Jamie. The money's gone. Here you go, lads. Cheers, love. I'd like to say keep the change, but... Don't worry, Mr Big Spender. I'll survive. Not exactly Butch Cassidy and a Sundance kid, are we? Couldn't afford that bike that Butch falls off. As for escaping to Bolivia, we haven't got the tram fare back home. When was the last time that we paid on the tram? True. What a movie, though, eh? That last scene when Butch and Sundance charge, you hear the Bolivian officer shout, Fire! Yeah, and the screen freezes on Butch and Sundance. And then we hear it again, a fire! And a hail of bullets. And it's then we know they're really toast. A cue credits. A cue credits. You two really love that film, don't you? Well, they're everything we're not. Oh, I don't know. You look like a right pair of cowboys to me. Oh, charming. Glad I never tipped you now. What was the name of that lady in the film who travelled around with him? Oh, Etta Place. Wow, amazing. That's my name. No way. What, you're called Etta? What do you think? <laughs> you're hilarious. Not. Oh, I hate being skint. I was supposed to be taking that Lisa out tonight who works in the one stop. Well, that's gone for a Burton. I was in there as well. Wait, isn't that the same Lisa who caught you robbing those Maltesers for your mum's birthday? She took pity on me. I used my sparkling charm, didn't I? (laughs) Jamie takes out a small bag of Maltesers, opens and offers the bag to Terry, who accepts. Cheers, mate. Wait, what about your mum? I'll nick her something else from Asda on the way home. I'll get her a card as well while I'm at it. Oh, get her something off me as well, will you? Oh, of course I will, mate. I think it's safe to say our dream of becoming criminal overlords in this city isn't exactly going to plan. Hey, hey, it's just a bad patch. Happens to the best. Sure, even Al Capone had days where he wished he could have swapped his machine gun for a a sweeping brush or a postman's hat. A bad patch? We haven't had a good one yet. We're too soft. That's the problem. We need to toughen up and fast. We need to toughen up? You're the soft ass, mate. What about last week when we had that purse away off that old deer in Marks and Spencer's? When we were legging it, you changed your mind and took it back. Said you found it on the floor. Yeah, I know, but she looked like my gran. And she gave us a fiver for finding it. Yeah, not really the point, is it? That old guy, over there, by the window. Yeah, what, what about him? Blimey, I don't believe it. Do you know who he is? Surprise me. What, Father Christmas? Oh, come on, Terry. He's much more important than that. That is Tommy Keenan. Who? Tommy Keenan. Oh, come on, surely you've heard of Tommy. Ah, did he play for United? No, you dipstick. Tommy Keenan is the man who put the craze back on the train to London in the 60s. 
Tommy is a fucking legend in the Manchester underworld. My dad told me about him. When he was in the nick, the old heads would go all teary-eyed at the mention of Tommy's name. I swear even the old fella choked up. What? That's him? Honestly, he is the real deal, mate. Come on, let's go over. We'll have a chat. About what? Well, the story, of course. From the horse's mouth. How Tommy did it. Yeah, what if he tells us to piss off? Well, I'll charm him. I'll offer him one of my Maltesers. Alright, oh, come on then. Hey, no piss taking. Who? Me? Yeah, man. Wanna hear him talk, just behave. No worries, mate. No, I wanna hear this just as much as you. Might even learn something, you never know. <laughs> right, come on, Butch Cassidy. Let's go say hello to our living legend over there. Hey, you too. We're dead fond of Tommy in here, so don't go upsetting him, otherwise we'll have a Bolivian situation. We clear? Yeah. yeah. Jesus, even a barmaid's giving a stick. Tony Montana won't put up with this. Jamie and Terry head across to the 77-year-old Tommy Keenan. Tommy is sat beneath a window reading a newspaper and nursing a pint. His appearance still of that dapper gentleman in his suit, with now greyish silver hair and bright blue eyes. To try locate tomorrow's scenes It's a mundane scene Just an empty dream Give me my time, I want it again My broken youth that I misspent The hopeless school I represent I'll search for sorrow So give me my life, I want it to spend the golden years were only lent The golden rules were broken bent I beg to borrow <clears throat> Can I help you, lads? Afternoon, Mr Keenan. Is it okay if we, um, <clears throat> join you? Be my guest. Do I know you two? Jamie and Terry sit down and both just stare at Tommy. Now you're either very friendly muggers or bloody terrible conversationalists. Which one is it? Oh, you're a legend, Tommy. Look, period. Would you like a Malteser? Tommy takes one from Jamie's bag. Much obliged. I'm Terry Conlon. My mate here, Jamie O'Neill. And coast lads. How do you know that? Look out the window. Jamie and Terry do so. Oh, we're in handcoats, aren't we? You don't say. Genius. Come on then, Tommy. Tell us how you did it. Did what? How you sent the craze home. Don't be shy now. No idea what you're on about, oh, son. <laughs> Everyone knows what you did, Tommy. Tommy pulls out a pack of cigarettes and starts to light one up. 
What, what, you, you can't do that anymore, Tommy. You have to go outside, mate. You'll get in trouble. Tommy looks around the pub, but only Angela is present washing the dishes. You go ahead, Tommy love. Thanks, Angie. So, how many was at the train station, Tommy? Ten? Twenty? A hundred? My old fella said there was everyone was armed to the teeth, waiting for them on platform four. They had baseball bats, knives, swords, knuckle dusters. I don't know. I wasn't there. Tommy, why are you being so shy about it? You should brag, man. Tell the whole world, write a book. Hey, get Tom Hardy to play you in a film. Oh, yeah. Oh, go on, Tommy, please. Then we will leave you in peace. You're not going to go away, are you? No. No chance. I'll tell you what. You buy me a pint and I'll think about it. Jamie and Terry look aghast at each other. <sighs> We're skint, mate. Yeah, having a little bad luck at the moment, Tommy. Financial difficulties, only temporary though. Big plans in the offering, haven't we, Terry? The best made plans. But, let's be honest, Jamie. We couldn't catch a cold, could we? Nah, it's not happening, is it? Couldn't hold up a can of beans, never mind a bank. We're looking for inspiration. We want to be more Butch and Sundance than Tom and Jerry. Learn a few tricks off a proper gangster, you know, someone like yourself. You being a legend and all. A smiling, if exasperated Tommy takes out his wallet and hands it to Terry. A ten-pound note. Go and get the drinks in. Mine's a pint. Oh, you're a star, Tommy. Hey, can I get crisp as well? I'm starving. Get what you want. Terry stands and heads for the bar. Jamie and Tommy watch him go. Just a wild guess, but I take it you two are not public enemy number one with a GMP. Well, uh, the police don't know we even exist, Tommy. Um... They haven't got wanted posters up, that's for sure. What? Are you masters of deception? Thieves of the night? Oh, no, no. We're just crap at being villains. Well, maybe a life of crime isn't for you. You ever thought about that? This city's a nasty place these days. It's very easy to get hurt. I mean, don't take this the wrong way, but you two couldn't scare a one-legged blind nun. <laughs> Little bit harsh, that, Tommy, but yeah, probably true. Yeah. Terry returns from the bar with three pints and a bag of crisp between his teeth. Right, it came to £10.10, but I put the extra 10p in. Too kind. Thanks for the beer, Tommy. Yeah, cheers, Tommy, mate. The three clink their glasses. To the angels. Jamie to the angels. Jamie and Terry look confused. Wait, who are the angels, Tommy? The angels, son. For all those who we've loved in our life and are no longer with us. You mean family? Could be anyone you loved. No set rules. Mams, dads, brothers, sisters, friends, wives. Are you married, Tommy? Was. I was. Was she? Like, passed away last year. Oh, sorry, mate. Tommy takes a photo from his wallet and hands it across to Jamie and Terry. Me and Alison on our wedding day. 20th of May, 1968, St. Patrick's Church in Collierhurst. The sun was shining. It was a beautiful Saturday afternoon. Oh, she was lovely, mate. Yeah, a real looker. Jamie hands back the photograph to Tommy and stares long and hard. She was perfect inside and out. Tommy puts the photograph back in his wallet. Right, you pair of rascals. What do you want to know? Everything. Tommy lights another cigarette. You sitting comfortably? Terry is munching on the crisps and offers one to Tommy, who declines. Bad for your teeth, son. December 1963. It all began with a meeting at the Midland Hotel. 
Word had leaked out from London that the craze had their eyes on the north and that we were supposed to be their first port of call. Then on to Liverpool, Newcastle and finally Glasgow. Delusions are grand, you see. They had no idea what it was like up here. Who was at the meeting then, Tommy? All the Manchester bosses and our friends from across the Irwell in Salford. Did they all get on? Mostly. There was enough business to go around. The same faces kept the peace. Now, don't get me wrong, we had eruptions. There were many skirmishes, but it was an alliance design so everyone made money. The Irish, the Italians, the Greeks, they all went along with it. And woe betide troublemakers. Any newcomers or outsiders who chanced at arm and tried disrupting business, well, they never lasted long. <laughs> yeah, a quiet word was that. A quiet word and a sawn off to the head, son. It all seemed to do the trick. And if they refused to listen? More food for the fish. They ate well in the well back then. <laughs> so what was your um, expertise, Tommy? Well, I suppose you could call me a fixer. I fixed problems. What kind of problems, mate? Problems like the craze. But I, I thought you said you wasn't at the station to meet them. I wasn't. But it appeared from stories I've heard since that everybody else was. Urban myth, lads. Pub stories. No, it was agreed that I'd meet them at the Midland and have a word to ensure their trip to our wonderful city was short and sweet. Right, well, why'd they pick you? Because he was the best man for the job, dummy. Why'd you think? No, it's a good question, Terry. Why did they pick me? I've no idea. I know people said back then I had the gift of the gab and I could charm the cats out of the trees. But dealing with the craze, Reggie and Ronnie, putting them back on a chain. Well, someone certainly trusted you to get it done. Mm. I remember clearly that night. I was at the Cromford Club on the gaming tables and winning when I was called to the meeting and informed I was to deal with the twins. But so you wasn't given a choice? No choice, son. You see, I'd done some business with the craze previously, shifting American cigarettes through the docks. It'd gone like clockwork, and I'd got on with well with Reg and Ronnie. Word of this got back to the gangs, and suddenly I became the one to sort their problem out. So what was your plan then, Tommy? <laughs> plan? I didn't have a plan. You see, there was something else going on. Tommy takes a long drag on his cigarette. I could do it an ashtray. Terry passes in the empty crisp packet. Here you go, you old rebel. <clears throat> Cheers, son. <clears throat> it had been decided by the gangs that one way or another the twins would be leaving Manchester that same day. Either by train or... Bus. No, you plonker. <laughs> Bloody hell. Not a bus, Terry. If I couldn't talk them back onto the train, they'd be leaving town in body bags. The gangs were going to hit the craze. That is some move, that. They weren't having them, Jamie. The twins had badly underestimated the North, particularly our rainy city. They saw us in cloth caps with whippets, whilst their boys in the Savile Row suits, full of Cockney swagger, all the glamour of the East End jelly deals and gold blessed Queen Mum and all that bullshit. Oi! The craze had no idea they'd walk blindfolded into a nightmare scenario. The Manchester bosses had made up their minds. So you met them in the Midland? We knew what room they were staying in beforehand. 
so plans were already in place. What kind of plans? I suppose these days you'd call it an exit strategy. Honestly, Terry, have a week off, will ya? Tommy is talking about a hit. Next to the craze was a room full of the finest shooters in Manchester. If I couldn't persuade them and they hadn't thrown me out of the window by then, I was to give our boys a nod and carnage would ensue. Jesus. Bloody hell. Everything okay, Tommy? Butch and Sundance aren't giving you a hard time, are they? I'm if so, I'll... I'm fine, Angie, thanks. They're harmless, but good lads. Right then, that's okay. I'll get back to the bar. Yeah, you do that, Etta. A smiling Angela returns to the bar. Now, where was I? The shooters, Tommy. Ah, yeah, that's right. You see, the hardest thing about all this was for me was I liked the twins. I had time for both of them. Oh, I'd heard about the East End horror tales, but back then, I shared my every waking hour with loads of our own nut jobs and lads who'd rob the mother if they had the chance of Rose. It was I to judge. As far as I was concerned, Reggie and Ronnie had been good to me in the big smoke. Nah, the whole thing didn't feel right, though I hardly had a choice, but small mercies. At least I was given the opportunity to save their necks. <laughs> pressure then. Oh, so if you manage to talk them onto the train, they'd live. And the penny finally drops. Well done, Einstein. That was a task in hand, Teddy, son. Anyway, I knocked on and Reggie invited me in like a long-lost brother. They were both still unpacking, but stopped to shake my hand warmly. And then, and then after a few silent Hail Marys, I got ready to lay it out for them. What exactly did you say? They were a little suspicious at first and wanted to know how I knew they were coming. I told them you couldn't keep a Cray Twins visit to Manchester quiet. It was up there with one from the royal family, Elvis even. <laughs> oh, they loved that line, appealed to their egos. Gosh. You must have been so bloody nervous, Tommy. You'll never know how much, son. They asked me if I was their welcoming committee and I told them I was in a manner of speaking, and that it wasn't worth unpacking. <laughs> you can imagine how that went down. Well, I tried to break it to the twins gently, but there's only so many ways you can sugarcoat Lee Town or else. I said the air was bad for their elf up here, and suddenly I could smell the sulfur. And what happened next? I remember trying to stay calm. I looked at my watch, told them there was another train back to London within the hour and recommended they'd best both be on it. Then I'll never forget, Ron moved within inches of my face. His eyes glazed over like murderous slits giving a glimpse into hell. Choose your next words carefully, Tommy, he said, because it may be your last. Oh, Tommy, 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 right, can I just say, you are my new hero. Would you be quiet, Clothhead? Go on, Tommy. Well, I composed myself best I could. I explained how things had gone a little crazy since news of their visit had become known. Many powerful notes had been put out of joint to the extent both their lives were now in serious danger. Reg told me to keep talking, but what was worrying me is he was opening the window while doing so. Couldn't you just... Couldn't you just turn and run and let the boys next door do their stuff? You have to understand something, Jamie. I like the twins, 
I didn't want to see them blown all over the Midland Corridor. I did as Red ordered. I kept talking and I went for broke. I told them it was a lot more dangerous here than they thought. That in this city, we protected what was ours. Go home, I warned. Stay in your own manner. In London, you viewed as kings. Up here, you're just a pain in the ass. <laughs> By now, I had their undivided attention, as you can imagine. I continued on. I told them, no offence, but it was a different country up the north and reputations meant nothing, especially those with an East End postcode. And then... Then what, Tommy? <coughs> I said they had a guardian angel who could get them home. Me. How'd they take that? <laughs> Ron said he didn't believe in angels. And then so did Red. Oh, no. <coughs> Don't tell me they killed you, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> Did you give your head a wobble, Terry? No, they didn't kill me, Terry. <laughs> I, could still, I could tell they were still undecided about doing so, though. Then, with nothing to lose, I told them straight that sat waiting in the next room was enough firepower to land them both back in the East End before the train. As you can imagine, the faces were the picture. And then, I think it dawned on the twins just how much trouble they were really in and just how far from home they were. <laughs> For them, Manchester must have felt like the Wild West and back then, when the situation arose, it most certainly was. Well, did they believe you then? They stood talking in hushed tones near that bloody open window. Both turned and stared at me. I could still feel their eyes now. The twins' features set in granite stone. And then Ron came across. It looks like we have a train to catch, he said, before smiling and shaking my hand. Reg then came across and did the same, thank God. And finally, finally, <coughs> I could breathe again. Ah, uh, Tommy, I think I'm going to cry. <laughs> Shut it, soft ass. Go on, Tommy. I remember Reg putting an arm around me and saying, no lies now, Tommy. Let me get this straight. If you couldn't sweet talk us back to London, then we were gonna be hit right here in this room. What could I say but tell him the truth? I told him that I wasn't happy about it, but business was business. Much obliged, he replied, utterly dumbstruck. The twins were staring at each other in disbelief. Secretly, I think they admired the sheer nerve of what was going down. And then that was it. They both laughed, we shook hands, and I left. Within 20 minutes, they were in a black cab on the way back to the train station and the party was over. And that, gentlemen, is my gangster's tale. Jamie takes out the Maltesers and offers the bag to Tommy, who takes one. Thanks. Uh, um, but, well, I'm, I'm speechless, Tommy. Thanks for telling us that story, mate. Yeah, yeah. Do you live far from here, Tommy? We'll walk you back if you like, you know, make sure nothing bad happens to you. Oh, thanks, lads. But I'm good. I won't be rushing back. The house is empty without my Alison. It's not a home when the heart's gone. Well, we best be off, Jamie. Now I've got to rob something from your mum for Asda. <laughs> yeah, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids strike again. Tommy takes out his wallet and hands Jamie a £20 note. Oi, 
get your old dear something nice, son. No offence, lads, but you're possibly the worst excuse for criminals I've ever seen. Please don't try and rob anything. But be lucky, eh? Butch and Sundance. You've been good company. Tommy shakes both Jamie and Terry's hands. All the best, Tommy, mate. We'll see you around. So long, old fella. Hey, I loved your story. Real class. Jamie and Terry head off to walk past the bar. Angela is stood watching them. See you later, cowboys. You're not so bad after all. Ah, uh, take it easy, yeah. So long, cowgirl. <laughs> Jamie and Terry head for the door, only for Jamie to stop and turn around. Hey, Tommy. In this city, me and Terry are angels with dirt under our wings. There's hope for us yet. Tommy smiles and waves. As Jamie and Terry leave the pub, he pulls out the photo of Alison one more time and stares, a tear falling down his cheek. Here's to the angels.
gangster's tale. Play.